0: would be so easy to just say, okay, I'm gonna close the door, I'm gonna get bought out, I'm gonna walk away. And then I say, but that doesn't resonate with me either. You know, then then I feel like I'm giving in, I feel like I'm, I'm giving up. Mm-hmm. And that that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not gonna give up, I'm gonna find a way because I, I know that if that truth resonates with you, that there is a better way, there is an answer. Oh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Karen, you are a PT with your own practice. Yes, I am. Yep. I've been in private practice for, I'm working on 15 years now. And as I understand it, you keep asking yourself this question about
1: how can you make a bigger impact? How can you make a bigger impact? But are very aware that you're not a PT who wants to grow an enormous business of many, many sites yourself. You want to stay as a small practice owner.
0: Right, right. I find myself, you know, asking that question. Exactly. How can I make a bigger impact and yet stay true to what I want to be doing? What fulfills me? Mm -hmm. And that's being a clinician. So I am always searching for ways that I can remain being the clinician, being involved with patient care um, and still making a bigger impact. Yeah.
1: Now, one of the things we're seeing this side of the pond, which I very much believe you guys are seeing as well, is that smaller and small small clinics are getting bought out by larger groups and corporate businesses, basically.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the questions I even asked for myself. Is that something I want to do? You know, it's like, how is it sustainable? Like it's so would be so easy to just say, okay, I'm going to close the door. I'm going to get bought out. I'm going to walk away. And then I say, but that doesn't resonate with me either. You know, then, then I feel like I'm giving in. I feel like I'm, I'm giving up. And that, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not who I am. (laughs) So, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to find a way because I, I know that if that truth resonates with you, that there is a better way, there is an answer. If you have the desire, then there's the answer there somewhere. You just have to rise to the frequency of the thing that you want and live from that feeling of the wish fulfilled and follow that and let your inner guidance system lead you to the path to make that a reality. So that's kind of what I live myself to do, right? It's like, okay, I have this desire, then that means there's an answer there somewhere, and I'm gonna. And
1: it. I think what you're describing there is once you can see what it is you would like, it's a question of who do you have to become to make that vision happen. That's exactly it.
0: You. That's exactly. It. You're. You're very very aware. That's awesome. I love it.
1: And then be prepared to step up to the plate.
0: Be prepared. Be bold. You're gonna have to have some courage. You're gonna have to really go outside of your comfort zone well beyond that and and really live into that person. And who is that person? What are the decisions of that person? What are the action steps of that person? You know, what are the standards of that person? Who do I need to become to make this happen? And like you said, step into it. That's a really good way to put it. Step in.
1: So one of my slight gripes, Karen, about us as a profession is that we do all this wonderful rehab work with our clients and really champion them getting back to peak performance, perhaps even better, 110% better, but don't necessarily do it with ourselves or play the same strategies that we know will work in terms of repetition and consistency and commitment and always having a milestone so there's something to work towards. we kind of become become a blancmange of inconsistency and lack of commitment and chaos yet we know full well that doesn't work for a person trying to recover from an injury so why don't we apply it to ourselves why don't we hold the mirror up more often than apply it to ourselves Is it might be being too harsh on the profession but
0: (laughs) just like gripe I have I I think unawareness right for first of all we're not recognizing that we're doing it to ourselves sometimes because we're just going by the through the day-to-day right if you just like 96 to 98 percent of everything you do is by habit right is subconscious so you're just going you're just running the program the program's running and you're allowing it to run so you have to be aware that that's what you're doing and then make a decision not to do that and then make a decision and be aware of what you are doing and and then just decide that you're not going to do that anymore. But if you follow traditional PT healthcare, then you're going to end up in that model. So, you know, you're allowing yourself to be in that model and you're conforming to what others are telling you, you need to do. Because you're not thinking that's the, that's the problem. We're not thinking we're just conforming. And that was my, what we were talking about today. Like, are you willing to conform or are you willing to take a stand? Like, what is your belief? What do you believe in? What's your standard? And you're living your standard all day long, whether you know it or not. And and what's in and, and, and you have to have a really strong positive self-image and, and take that stand and be bold and go against what other people are telling you should and shouldn't be doing. I don't think I'm willing to do that. So um I get a lot of backlash. <laughs> but you know, it's okay. I'm willing to I'm willing to stand up for what I believe in because I I'm really convicted in it and I believe in it and I know we're making a difference, even if it's on a smaller scale. Um, we need to do that. I mean, to show people what we're doing to be different and other people are going to want to do that too, because they're going to want to, they see you can feel it, right? It's palpable. Um, you know, you and I connected it. I don't believe that was by accident because we, we feel the same thing. Right. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to show people that it can be done.
1: Yeah, And what you're really describing here is as a profession stepping into our autonomy and not just as a profession, but as individuals within that, not waiting for our professional bodies to take charge and us following suit, but as individuals stepping into our autonomy and what we individually see is possible.
0: Absolutely. You know, when you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, I had this conversation, with a retired physician and I was like, and she was telling me about all the good work we were doing and she wasn't even aware of some of the stuff we were doing and she was very, very pleased with with some of the things that we were doing and some of the outcomes. And I just said, well, you know, we're kind of like not even on the totem pole. You know, if you go through the hierarchy, if there is one, you know, an unwritten one, right, Um, with the physicians and even the level of physician, who are you? Are you a neurosurgeon? Are you an orthopedist? Are you, you know, are you a primary care physician? Like what kind of physician are you? And and then this this is unwritten. And in my mind, anyway, this is unwritten hierarchy of where you stand on that totem pole. And in uh, and, uh, my opinion, the physical therapy wasn't even on it. And my, some of my clients years ago would be like, oh, can you write a note to my physician? And I'm like, they're not going to read it. And they would look at me like, what do you mean they're not going to read it? And I'm like, they don't look at what we say. They're just going to make their own decisions. So <laughs> I kind of stopped wasting my time. <laughs> I, you know, it's another piece of paper for me to write that they're not going to read. And, and, and then it was, you know, they don't really listen to what we were saying. And I was like, well, wait a minute. We're, I'm allowing that. I'm allowing that. I'm allowing them to do that to me. I'm not going to do that anymore. So I want to really shift me. I have to shift me like, no, I am not on the bottom of the totem pole. It doesn't matter what they think. I have to stand up for what I believe in. And then maybe they'll start listening to what I have to say. And they are going to respect that we are doctors of our field. And and then it just so we, I couldn't really care about what other people were thinking about me or where I was on their in their hierarchy of their mind. But I know that I can provide better outcomes, and I needed to 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 stand up for that and say this is what we're doing, despite any anything else that any other clinician in healthcare is doing. Um, so and I just had to really be bold. So we have to
1: make our own totem poles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and it happens because the people will come into the office and they'll say, well, my physician said he wants you to do this. And I just, I just keep my mouth shut and I, you know, they don't know me. So I I just wait a little bit. And then, you know, as we go through the interview process and as we go through the examination and things, then I, then I give my opinion at the end about what my, uh, what my, um, you know, assessment is of what they need and and what they, what I recommend. And they either do it or they don't, but I I very rarely have people not do what I recommend. (laughs) This is just how sick the whole
1: healthcare system has become when the physical, I mean, we are physical beings. It is vital
0: to our existence. Well, I think there's going to be, there's going to, something, you know, something's going to change, right? I mean, we're headed in a direction that is not good. And I think more and more people are recognizing that it's not a healthcare system. You know, it's not a prevention system. You know, there's something wrong with it and we need to change. Oops, sorry. There's my mindfulness reminder right there. What am I thinking about? So there's just a really good example. You know, what are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? So I have a mindfulness reminder of what am I focusing on? Am I getting emotionally involved with what I don't want? Am I remaining neutral about the things that in my, in my environment that I'm not happy with. And am I able to just like really think about the things that we want to be doing and, and being that person, like we talked about earlier. So anyway, mm-hmm. sorry about that. <laughs> so it takes lots of confidence to know that you're going to create your own totem pole and
1: you're going to communicate to your community, what it is you're all about and how you can help them. And you've mentioned already that that requires having uh, a certainty. In that, you know, you can deliver an outcome and your outcome is going to trump a pile of prescriptions, unnecessary surgeries and the revolving door of practitioner after
0: practitioner. That's right. That's right. And, And, you know, that takes pairing up with people that are doing the work that takes pairing up with people that are already doing it. And that's how I started. You know, I, I was looking for a way and I found a way and I adopted this methodology. And and then I just, you know, transformed it a little bit just for me, for my own personal experiences and the clients that I treat and my, uh, my background. And then that's what I did. So I, you know, worked with other people until I had that confidence. And when I knew and I saw those outcomes happening, I said, okay, how can I even make it better? So I'm always looking to make it better, always looking for improvement, to improve myself, to help my clients. So yeah, it takes a lot of confidence, but that's what you do. You 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 pair yourself up with people that are doing it. That's how you build your confidence. You use their conviction and then you build your own conviction and your own belief and your own confidence by taking action. You're never going to build your confidence by sitting back and reading the book or watching other people. You have to step in and you have to build that confidence by action. That's what's going to do it.
1: Sure. And I think one of the things I believe quite strongly, and it should be really interesting sounding out to in the Karen, is that if every practitioner or every practice took the sense of responsibility that they were going to help stop the revolving door for every person that contacted them, um, so this practitioner shopping can be drawn to an end, and that would increase the level of commitment to communication with the client. So rather than if somebody cancels appointment or misses appointment, it blaming them or feeling, oh, well, I'm not good enough and belittling themselves, they're actually taking the ownership of, right, you know, let's do something. Let's call Mary. Let's call Bob. Let's call Tom. Let's find out maybe the cat died. Maybe the kids were sick, all kinds of reasons that somebody could have not made an appointment. And instead of sort of undermining yourself, take a completely different position of, is Mary okay? Let's give her a ring because we haven't, you know, completed our treatment plan.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't have very much of that at all. If somebody, if somebody doesn't come for an appointment, I know the person pretty well. And I'll, I'll you know, I, I text message them and I'll say, hey, is everything okay? Like, that's my first response is, is everything all right? If somebody didn't, if somebody no showed, if somebody's brand new, and they no show, they don't get a second chance. <laughs> that's it, one and done. Like, I, I don't put up with that. Like, what is your standard for that? Is your client a person that doesn't honor their appointments? And if they are, then they're not my client, right? Because I have a standard of you are invested in your own getting well. And if you're going to be on my schedule, then then you're going to show up. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of that. If somebody doesn't show up, usually, you know, something's wrong or they have a lot going on and, and something came up for them. But, you know, always make that make that message, just send that phone call, are you okay? You know, what what happened? Yeah, for sure. And that also means that if you're gonna have a standard that you're gonna
1: hold other people to, you really have to commit to living by the standard that you're setting and really having the integrity to, to 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 commit to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, time is the only thing we don't we don't get back, right? So you have to value yourself enough to value your time and then you communicate that. You value their time. So you know they don't get their time back either. So it's not a one way street. It's you have to value their time too, their time with you, and what are you doing to optimize, uh, you know, their outcome because their time is important too. It's not about all. It's not about me. It's about them too. So, but I have to set the standard so that they can rise to live to that standard too, right? So if they want their outcome, they have to they have to do what they need to do too. It's we're, we're a team, you know. Um, people say, Oh, you, you helped me so much. I'm like, that's, that's great. But you did the work, you know, I provided the guidance. You did the work.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah." Yeah. So you're describing setting the environment or creating the culture of very strong mutual respect for yourself and for the people that are coming into your space and seeking your help.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest thing. I mean, we're just an open clinic. It's like a one big room really. And, um, And everybody really sees everybody else doing well. And I like that environment because it helps foster community. It helps foster them seeing each other get better and it helps them, gives them hope. That's what somebody said to me. You know, you gave me hope when I didn't have any. You were my last resort, like you were the last one. And I was like, oh, no pressure, you know, But they get better. And I think it's because I believe in them. And I just transfer my belief that I know that they can, they can get better to them. And that that means so much, much, you know, it's that spiritual side of them that they can, they can get better. And we have to instill that belief in them and give, we do give them that hope. But then once they have that hope, and you keep instilling the belief in them and, you know, cheering them on and knowing that they can do it. Then they, then they start to take that action too, even if they didn't at first. And I think that's one of the things I didn't know what I was doing as a clinician years ago that I was doing, but now that I understand how the mind works and how that really, how, what I, what I was doing without knowing now I do it even more and, and, provide that the, the words. So they start to recognize what they're doing and how they can help themselves get better, even faster. Yeah. It's really important. But-
1: It's often mentioned the word, the the art and science of physiotherapy, but we end up very much uh, evidence-based papers, literature, and you're quite open in terms of the way you're talking about spirituality and energy and the art of
0: physiotherapy, not
1: just the science of physiotherapy.
0: Well, I believe the spiritual side is is science, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because everything is energy. Everything is energy. So thoughts are energy. You know, your thought energy is going to break down into chemicals, reactions in your body. It's either going to help you heal or it's going to break you down, right? So you're either on the side of lack or you're on the side of abundance, right? If you're on the side of abundance, you're in healing, you're in wholeness, you're in wealth, right? If you're on the side of lack, you're on the side of, you know, degradation, you know, you're on the side of breaking down, decay, disease, right? Disease is disease in your body. You're 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 creating something that you don't want. So, you know, you have to really understand that your thoughts are creating that, you know, and you can control that with some, um, you know, it it takes a a lot of practice, just like with exercise, right? It takes a lot of practice to control your thinking.
1: So one of the things that you are very passionate about and speak quite a bit about on LinkedIn is the need for small businesses, small practices to shift from being controlled or having their prices controlled by insurance companies to be cash-based.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's what shifted everything for me. Um, and it's still shifting, right? So, and I'm always, like I said, I'm always looking for a better way. So, you know, I, you know, there are so many ways people can do this, right? But I chose a way that worked well for me because it provides a steady stream of people that are already coming to me. And then I've already been servicing for many, many years, so I can continue to do that. But it also provides me to help them provide better outcomes for them and also provides an additional revenue stream for me. So it's a win-win for both of us because they want to get better as quickly as possible. And I like the fact that I don't have to deal with the insurance companies and I get to increase my patient per visit by 65%. So um, that's really g- significant, isn't it? And that's that's on the low side of it, right? So um, if I can do that, and I can help everybody do that, then then I want to do that, right? So yeah, it's absolutely so what the steps was it you took to
1: shift. Once you recognized you needed to move your practice or wanted to move your practice to cash based, what were the steps that you took to go about doing that?
0: Well, like I said, I I paired up with somebody that said that they could help me show me a way to do it. So that I worked with that person for a while and I um, adopted the methodology that he was using in his clinic and he had been doing it for 20 something years. And so he was a chiropractor. So he, and I'm a physical therapist, obviously. So he had a little bit different perspective on it from his scope of practice. So what I did was I took his methodologies and learned how to adopt them for our physical therapy. So I did, I added, I added some of those private pay programs, right? they are standalone programs, but then I also provide physical therapy in addition to it. That's why I say I do a little bit of both mm-hmm. because I believe that once we provide the healing and the body is healed, we still need to fix the musculoskeletal system Right. So that they have the functional ability to do to do what they want to do now that they're either realigned or they're they're whatever's healed. And now we need to provide them the functional movement patterns so they don't go back to doing what they were doing. Right. So we have to actually fix the mechanics of that. That's like, yes, you might have the alignment now. You might have the heel tissue, but if you go back to doing what you were doing that got you with the problem in the first place, then went back to square one. So now we need to do both. And that's why I've, I've chosen this, this way of doing both, providing that care that they're not getting anywhere else, but adding the physical therapy, whether it's insurance based or not, so that they can really, now they're, now they're not going to go backwards. And now you teach them the mindset piece on top of it. And now you've got a now you've got a winning package.
1: No, the reason I ask is when I went through the process, once I had got real gran- granular clarity on my numbers, it was absolutely obvious to go to cash pay. The decision, the pain in the decision was gone because once I could see the numbers really clearly in black and white and what the margins were for all the different services that I was providing all the different providers that we were serving, it was just so obvious. The pain in the decision of should I go to cash pay or not was was taken away because it was just there in black and white. And then I was able to set a date in the diary, right? Six months from now, this is the way it's gonna be. That's
0: excellent. That's awesome. and see, and you see, but the thing you had was your confidence and your belief that you could, right? That's what's gonna stop you or or help you move forward, right? And and that's a decision that I I say all the time: like, you know, is it time for us to not do any insurance-based business? And my heart just keeps going back to the people that I've been servicing for so long, you know, and it's like, well, maybe well, they can, they can do that. They can, they can still provide cash for services. And so there's that, that question of, um, you know, am I, am I going to stay credentialed with insurance companies or not? Right. And that, there's always that back and forth in my mind about that. So I talked to my, talked to my administrator about that. We talk about that quite a bit and I haven't gone that road yet. And I don't know if I will, I just, you know, it's a decision I, I need to reassess every, every so many months. But, but you and I can talk more about that for sure. Well, for many clinic owners where recruitment can be challenging as well, it can, again can
1: force a decision that cash-based is preferable because you can have a smaller team delivering higher value, higher quality work in many cases as well, than battling with to, to recruit people that might be serving contracts that are causing
0: you a loss or very, very little margin. That that is so huge, right? So, for example, like if we're if we're providing um, a cash based program, right? That's eight weeks. Um, it could be could be anywhere like six thousand four hundred dollars, right? So you're doing three times a week for eight weeks, six thousand four hundred dollars. So how much are you going to really get for your reimbursement for physical therapy services, right? So the question I always have for people that are going cash based physical therapy. With if they're not doing another program like we're doing, how much are you charging per visit? So I don't even know. I don't I don't even know. You probably know more than I do, Kate, about that. So like how much are you charging per visit? Are you still only charging a hundred dollars a visit? I don't know what your average reimbursement mm-hmm. you know, your average physical therapy is. But if you're doing that, even though you might not have all the overhead of the other people and the insurance and Are you really going to be able to make it be a $250 visit, a $300 visit? Are you by just providing straight up physical therapy if you're not being able to provide better outcomes? Okay. And are you able to do that that they can't do down the street? They have a really good clinician down the street that's using their insurance. What are you doing? How are you differentiating yourself from that? How are you doing something different? How are you providing a better service? So, you know, what is the value that you're providing? And, and again, it's all uh, person dependent, clinic dependent, your ability dependent, right? So for me, I was like, okay, well, how are we going to do that? And I decided to go this route. So, um, you know, there, there, is, there are limitations. We do have some people in our area that aren't able to get those services. And you have to just make that decision of you're going to attract the people who can, uh, you know, a, 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 are able to do that out of pocket. People aren't. Some people aren't.
1: And of course, once you've got your business financially stable and profitable where you want it, you have got a choice. And if you choose to do some lower value work, that's your choice. But at least you've got your business stable rather than trying to get your business stable on contracts that are never going to enable that to happen.
0: Absolutely. I don't think contracts are the way to go, uh, especially more and more as we see things change. I mean, they're just it's getting... It's my my administrator was on the phone for over three hours for one person just to try to talk to somebody on hold for three hours. That's just unacceptable.
1: Do you think there's a complete um, misunderstanding by clinicians in terms of what it is that people are actually buying when they pick up the
0: phone and call to ask if you can help them? I don't think they even know what they're buying. Sometimes, you know, I you know they they're. A lot of times, my physician told me to go. You know, or no, they don't understand it at all. They don't understand what we do. Um, I don't think the physicians understand a lot of times what we do. Some do, and some don't. Um, more and more don't because you know that's true because of their response to it. Right? Um, they they won't understand that we're able to do an assessment and decide what's appropriate for that person, right? Otherwise they're just saying, we want you to do this or that, right? So, and then the person will come in and say, this is what my physician wants you to do. Can you do this service? So it, it, there's a lot of um, education that needs to happen, I believe we need to, but we need to advocate for ourselves. We need we need to show people what we're able to do, right? Because there's a lot of bad therapy. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of bad pit therapy. So there's going do we, we have to stand out. You have to be different if you want to be known for excellence. So, and do you have to be prepared to buy? You know, obviously it's nice to receive the third
1: party referrals, but take a sense of responsibility again. That I'm going to communicate direct to the person that needs my help. If I get third party referrals, great. You're always going to be dependent if you have third, if you are dependent on third party referrals, the third party prioritizing you over anybody else not being on holiday you haven't got control over a predictability in the way you have much more if you're just going direct to the to, to the person that will need your help
0: you know that's interesting right we we attract what we believe right so if we believe that we are able to attract the clients that need our services, then we will, right? If we believe that we need the third party in order to to have that happen, then that will happen. So it's really interesting how that works, right? So, you know, you 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 made an interesting point about going ca- cash based, and you knew that you could do it. You did the numbers, and and you just did it because you had the belief in yourself, you had the confidence in yourself to be able to attract mm-hmm. those people. So it, it's what you believe that you're able to do that you're able to achieve, right? So I don't know if that makes sense. But, but you know, you have to have the, that confidence and belief in yourself that you are, you are the only problem and you are the only solution. It's what you believe yourself to be. So who do you believe yourself to be and step into that role? We talked about that. It's always going to come back to your own self-image. So who are you and what do you believe yourself to be? You know, yeah. can you attract those people? Because you, you could go the other way. You could go the negativity route, too. Like, oh, the people aren't there The people don't want to pay the money. The people aren't invested. Like, you know, and all that. And then guess what? You're not going to be able to do it. So, so if
1: you can conceive it, you can believe it, and then you can achieve it.
0: That's right. And then you just have to be bold enough to do it, right? That that it takes courage. It, took, so it takes a lot of courage to do that. You know, like, you you it took a lot of courage for you to do what you did, right? So, um. And you were, and you, you were. The universe met you, if it, you know, to do it. So, yeah. That, well, I think sometimes
1: the pain can be taken away from the pain of the decision can be eased if you've got the information, whatever information that is, for example. So, if it, it might be just hardcore numbers data, or it might be some marketing market research, but if you've got the data, it can take the pain out of the decision because it can make it a lot more informed and black and white rather than. You lost in your own head, just stuck in terms of what to do is is my feeling that if you're stuck on the decision, go and get a bit more fact and see where that takes you
0: well, then you're living fear based right, and that's not what we want to do, right? So you have to have the faith that you can do anything that you want to do you mm-hmm. ha- and then then you make it so right? Your assumption makes it so that's neville Goddard, right? whatever you assume um is your reality. So you, your assumption makes it so. So if you just keep saying and, and believing that you are going to have things a certain way, then you just keep keep persisting in that feeling and then then things start to change, right? So you have to really be good at ignoring your present circumstances and living in the feeling of the desire that you want right the wish fulfilled the end goal the end result you have to be like you said we are always going to come back to self-image because it's so much of what we do so you have to be that person that's the only way that's and what you
1: describing is basically you outwork yourself doubt and that doesn't necessarily mean outwork it in terms of being up at four o'clock and in bed at midnight it means outwork it in terms of The work you do on your yourself and your commitment to your vision. Yeah, you have
0: to rewire your subconscious mind to be that image, right? So it's a rewiring because, like we said, everything—ninety-six to ninety-eight percent of everything you do—is going to come from your subconscious. So you're an automatic program, just programming to do the same thing, same thing, right? But you have to—you have to understand that you can rewire that programming through your consistency and through your action. And then just keep taking those steps, right? So you 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 are you are already that person you want to be. It's within you, right? Because your spiritual DNA is perfect. You are, you know, ev- creation's already happened. I think we just talked about this earlier, right? And everything is energy, right? Everything is energy. Everything, you know, creation has already happened. Everything you want already exists. You have to match that frequency, right? You have to match that feeling of those of that goal, and then be be that person. You can't wait, right? If you're waiting, then you're separate from it. You have to be it, and then and take so action as so if then
1: what you're looking for can find you.
0: Yeah, yeah, you'll be. You know, you can only, you can only experience the level of uh, awareness that you have, right? The consciousness that you have, the level, the frequency that you're on is what you're going to be attracting. So if your if your thoughts are on lack and limitation, that's all you can attract, right? Your thoughts have to be on the people are going to be seeking me, right? The people that I want to be serving are seeking me as well. So, and that's what you did, and so that's what you that's what you found, and that's what happened. So that was great.
1: And how much of this though is people being able to break through and recognize the conditioning that has been put in us all since childhood and our education system in terms of. You know just obedience compliance asking permission and not necessarily owning the
0: um our own creativity everything is conditioning right so when we were born right we were in an environment whatever that environment was and we were surrounded by the people we were surrounded by and we didn't have the ability to accept or reject ideas so everything that we were told, everything that was in our surroundings went right into our subconscious and kind of molded who we were, molded the beliefs that we have. So unless we're thinking, unless we're making a conscious effort to say, I accept or reject that idea, it's going right into your subconscious. So you have to really understand how your mind works. You have to understand you have a conscious mind, a subconscious mind, and your body is just an instrument of your mind. Your body's going to do whatever your mind tells it. But everything, most of what we do, like we said, is subconscious. So you're taking actions just out of, out of um, habit, right? So we have to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore, and rewire the subconscious to create a new healthy habit to start doing things differently. But it takes, it takes you have to start thinking about what you're thinking. But most people aren't thinking. And that's that's the problem. Most people don't even second guess what they're, what's going on. They just go right to their subconscious because if you're not rejecting it, you're accepting it by default. So So that's really an important thing. If you're not not rejecting, you're accepting it. So all those negative ideas, if you're not saying, no, wait a minute, it's going right there and that's what you're attracting. If you're emotionally involved with a negative feeling, then you're attracting to you a negative result. So you're describing exactly
1: what uh, habit mechanic John Finn said when he joined B in that you can never be too conscious. We're in no danger of being too conscious in terms of consciously
0: rewriting our own programs. Absolutely. like you, Exactly. All you can do is increase your awareness. And once you have a new level of awareness, you can never go back. That's the beauty of it. And once, right. you, once, you, once, you, like, once you change the programming, it's automatic, right? All you keep doing is rewiring it to have new, better programming, right? And increase your awareness even more and more. And and then it just gets magical because now you now if you are accepting only the things that you want and ignoring everything else and you really get good at that, then everything's then everything's gonna change. So
1: Karen, for the small practice owner that's listening, thinking this sounds amazing, but an awful lot of hard work. Why don't I just stay in my comfort zone? Why is it important they don't just stay in their comfort zone? Why are small clinics critical to the
0: fabric of the health of society? Oh, because that's a really good question. (laughs) Why not stay in your comfort zone? Because you're either growing or you're dying, right? Nothing ever stays the same. So change is inevitable, right? Personal development is a choice. One of my mentors said that, right? So you have to make a decision that you're going to be part of the change, or are you going to go down with the ship? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and, And is that what you want? I mean, you just, I think it's a personal decision. Do you you know, if you're not willing to change, then you're going to be part of the problem. I I believe that's true. Like it, but if, you know, no, it's not for everybody. Some people just don't have the the courage or the or the or the want or the desire to change. They know, they don't believe that it's possible. So, you know, you, people have to make their own choices. But if you we if we as practitioners as physical therapists want our profession to be thriving and evolving and we want the autonomy and we want the respect of other professionals in the in the healthcare industry then then we need to be better we need to do better we need to provide better better care we need to stand up for what we are able to do um, but if we keep conforming then we're just part of the problem
1: yeah nobody's going to come and rescue us and certainly not our professional bodies oh either. they're going
0: to they're going to take advantage and swoop you up right they're going to they're going to just take over the market more and more um you know the, y- yeah so you, it it i was just saying that yesterday because we had these conversations with my administration like you know that's where i see it going you know i see it i see all these uh people swooping up swooping in and taking over because in in from what i can see and i i hope that i'm not correct in this and i hope that somebody steps in and says that no that's not what we're doing but it's just a numbers game and they just want to fit as many people in and that it doesn't really matter what happens or what their outcomes are they're just going to play the numbers because it's all about their bottom line it's not about the the people and they're so far removed from the actual care and the actual people that they're they're not even informed about that and so it, it becomes secondary so is that really where we want it to go
1: Karen, I completely agree with you in terms of if we look back a century to the early 1900s and the Flexner Report, on the back of the Flexner Report, so many small practices were closed and what would now be called alternative, but basically not fitting the Rockefeller medicine model, were closed. They were financially crippled and put out of business. And if we don't recognize that that has happened and is very able to be happening again, then we will end up in this very corporatized healthcare model where there is nowhere else to turn. If we don't want that for our communities, for ourselves, for our families, because we will also be on the receiving end of it, as will our children and our parents, then we have to do something about it. And that does require the small practice owner to get more commercially savvy so that their doors can remain open.
0: Yeah, it, it, the only way we're gonna do that is if we band together, right? Yeah. So put this power in numbers. And we have to, like you said, we have to stop accepting the reimbursements that they're giving us. If we don't do that, then then they're then they have no reason to change either, right? But if we stand together and we say no to those contracts, then then we're starting to do things differently. We just think about the law of reciprocity in terms of.
1: You give, you gain. You put out there, comes back. And the majority of clinicians and clinic owners have a purpose or a mission to give and to nurture. And if they can find the strength and the courage within them to follow your words and uh, and replicate some of what you've done, um what will they expect to receive in return not just in terms of financial benefit but what are the other benefits you've received for having had this courage
0: or that you've seen with other practitioners that you've helped it's it's not what you receive it's who you become you know it's who i be, who I have to become to 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 be better let's it's the person you become and that's the reward is being a better version of you all the time you know, how many people you serve is going to be, you know, the law of compensation states that you'll be rewarded in direct proportion to the number of people you serve. So focus on your ability to provide that service and everything else will come. So, you know, focus on being a better version of you every day and and, and, and the financial aspects will come. What else, sure. Will? What else? What are the other benefits of being the best version of you? Because there are times when it's tiring. benefits of being a better version of me. It's just happiness, joy. I mean, you know, you have freedom within your soul. Like it's, it's not just, you know, the freedom from burden of work. It's like, you just have this freedom within you. You know, I don't think there's anything better than feeling, feeling literally free, no matter where you are, no matter what is going on. Like to have that feeling of freedom. Isn't that what we're seeking? The feeling of freedom? yeah I don't think there's anything higher than that for me, and so what you're describing is exactly what people so many people are
1: searching for this sense of freedom within yourself is available to you by growing into just being the best version of of yourself
0: rather It's than... available to everyone every minute of every day we're just we're just not receiving it or open to that idea. It's a big idea. <laughs> you have to have faith and belief and accept that idea and then step into it, keep coming back to that, stepping into that identity.
1: Wonderful. If you could just summarize this conversation in a sentence or two, Karen, what would you like to say to the listener?
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I, it was a pleasure to talk with you. It was really our first time to really have a chat. So I appreciate this opportunity to, to, you know, voice my experiences and what I've gone through. So I I just want everyone to, if this resonates with them, to really step into who they really are and just be that person and be bold and to go after what you want. Thank you very, very much for joining me and sharing your wisdom, Karen.